So these four guys taken as prisoners of war. There they were living in their hometown and king with an incredible army came and take, took over their town, took over their land and took all of these uh, men and women and these four guys in particular. And, and so the, this king and this army took over their entire land and dragged all of their people over to where this king and that army was and, um, and decided that what they were going to do with these four men and four other and many others is that they were going to reprogram all of these people. See, they chose those four, four guys in particular because, well, like all of you, they were good looking. Yeah. They were really smart, good looking people. In fact, they were super influential. What's, and, uh, and so the king decided to pick those particular guys because they had an in with people. And so he picked those people, those four guys and the others, and he decided, I'm just going to reprogram them all. I'm going to take everything that's unique about them. And these particular guys were Hebrews, or they were Jewish, which means their God is God. And so their uniqueness was to be people of God. And this king, he decided, I'm going to take everything that makes them as people of God, and I'm going to reconstruct all of that. I'm going to destroy all of that. And I'm going to rebuild them into a cookie-cutter version of myself. And this was all part of his plan of dominance. He comes in, sweeps the land, takes these people, and reprograms them into cookie-cutter versions. And so there are these four guys who are brought at this place where they're in the moment where they're going to begin starting their reprogramming, and it starts at a table. You would think that character starts at big places, but character starts in small places, like a table. So now why on earth would this king go for character? Because these men, they were men of character. They had, they had resolve. They had uh, things that they were, they had convictions. So why on earth would this king try to change their character? And we heard a little bit uh, this, this, I was going to say this morning, but just before worship, what character is, but character really is what, who you are and what you do when no one's looking. It's the stuff that happens underneath. It's like a foundation. You don't see it, but it's there. Character is a determination to do what is right, no matter how hard it is or no matter the cost. There's a, um, a legendary uh, basketball coach from the UCLA and for all my sports people out there. So, John Wooten, he said, Your character is more important than your reputation. Your character is what you really are. Your reputation is only what people think you are. Right? Yeah. So, character is formed by giving up the concept of reputation. And choosing to do what's right. And when given the opportunity to do what was wrong. That's character. See, these four guys, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, these four prisoners of war, proved that we can be people of character, even when the world cares about reputation. And so for the the next weekend, this weekend, that's what we're going to be taking a look at. These four guys... And the example that they led of how to live out their lives for character when our rest of our world strives for reputation. So we're going to take a look at their lives uh, chunk by chunk. And so if you want to head to, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Daniel chapter 1. If you have your phones, you can like swipe to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 3. Because I gave you a bit of context already, and we'll go over just a little bit more. So Daniel chapter 1, in my Bible, it's page 154. If that helps you at all, probably not. Unless you have the Women's Devotional Green Bible, then if you do, then we have it on the same page. So Daniel chapter 1, 
3 is where we're going to start. So it says this, then the king who is King Nebuchadnezzar, everyone say Nebuchadnezzar. We might call him Nebs every once in a while. So King Nebs ordered Ashpez, chief of his high court, um, his court official to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them their language and literature of the Babylonians. So here we go. This is our concept. We have these really, really great people, these influential people who are Jewish people who have been taken to Babylonia and have been... um, brought in to be taught their language, their culture. They're about to be reprogrammed. So there we go. There we go. Little, like, baby legs, nebbies, walking around. So this is where we go. So verse 5, let's start there. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among them were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, named Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Meshach, oh sorry, Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile his body with royal food and wine. We'll stop there. So Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. I got to admit, right now, I'm feeling a little bit defiled by the amount of milk that I just took in. That was a bad choice. That was a bad choice. But... I don't think that Daniel was thinking about that kind of defiling. We have a couple of options. There are a few type, there's a few options as to why he might not want to defile or why he would even think that eating the food from the king's table might defile his body. So it could be because the type of food that was offered at the king's table was forbidden food for him as a Jewish person. It could be something that is forbidden. God is defi- uh, has forbidden them to eat that food. So he's saying, no. So that is one option. The second option could be that by accepting the king's food, what he's kind of doing is he is now um, relying on the king to be sustained. He's relying on the king's food to give him life. And so in that he would be proving his allegiance or his alliance to the king. By eating his food, he's then aligning to the king. That's the second option. The third option could be that it was common practice for food to be sacrificed before the Babylonian gods, um, before it was consumed. So If Daniel ate the food from the king's table, would have meant that he had eaten sacrificed foods. And if he ate sacrificed foods, that means that he would be uh, engaging in worship to Babylonian gods. But he only has one god. And so he is saying he has this thing, this resolve within him, this like, right? This thing within him that says, I will not eat that food. No, I will not be a part of that. And it's like stirring deep within is like the marrow of his being. Because it's a result of his love for God. It's not like, oh, I'm working on a diet or like I'm now on keto, right? Like it's not, it's not that. It's out of his love and dedication for the Lord. He's saying, I will not do that. No. He's not even going to compromise on something teeny tiny. No, I will not. No. And he refuses. He has this resolve within him. Now, that's food. But what about their names? Their names are changed. 
They go by, like we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? That's how we know these guys. Not as like Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So what's up with the names then? If one is a non-negotiable, why isn't the other one a non-negotiable? Well, I don't actually have an answer answer for you. I have maybe a possibility. So maybe this. Perhaps, perhaps their name is an attempt for the Babylonians to like mold them into Babylonian culture. Perhaps in changing Daniel's name, which means God is my judge, to Belshazzar, which means Bel is uh, Bel protects my life, and Bel is like another uh, Babylonian god because there are multiple Babylonian gods because they believe in lots of gods, but there is only one god. So they're sa- so he's they're changing his name that has something to do with him and his relationship with his god. And so, but that's that's Daniel. But we got a bunch of other people. We have Hananiah, which means. That Jehovah has been gracious, and they switch that to Shadrach, which means under the command of Aku, which is the moon god. Mishael means who is like God. And um, Meshach means who is like Aku, which is the moon god. They got creative there. And then there is Azariah. And Azariah means Jehovah has helped. And Abednego means the servant of Nebu, which is God of learning. Now, I wonder if instead of having some, like, um, an overt resolve about their name, I wonder if they believed what we believed, that when God calls us, that there is no one that can take that away. That the name that God gave them, the name that holds, that, that elevates who God is, that God is Jehovah, that God is, God is the judge, that they're, who is like God? No one. That's his name. That instead of being, having an outward resolve, that they actually lived it out. That through their lives, they lived out the character of their name. They lived it out. Now, This is not even in the notes, but this is what I would say to you. I think that there are people here who have been called another name that is not your name. And it means something that is not you. But you're living under that name, and that's not you. It's not who God's called you to be at all. So that can be, like, that's a struggle. I get that. I've had some names thrown on me, and I've lived under that. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Because the name that Jesus gave me never left. And so I can live in that. So can I even ask you to like your leaders, leaders need to live boldly sometimes. Live boldly in the name that God gave you. Right? You don't need to live under that name that somebody else gave you. No. Yeah. Yeah, live it out, right? So, here we are. Here they are faced with food. And I just, they had enough resolve. They had enough, like, there is something that was deep within them that when they sat, when the food came in place before them, they would just say no. They would realize that something little, like what they would eat or what they would drink, which we think so haphazardly about, because goodness knows, I just ate McDonald's. I should have said no, right? Like, there are, so we don't even think sometimes of why that might be, like, that it doesn't even seem like it's a big deal, right? Like, we can't even remember what we ate. Like, I don't even know what I ate yesterday. We don't even really think of it. It seems like a really small deal, but this was In the little, in the small, there's a big deal in the small. When it comes to character, it starts small. It starts teeny tiny, like teeny, teeny, tiny. That's where character starts. And Daniel and um, 
Oh, I was, now I'm getting all mixed up with their like Babylonian names and their Hebrew names and the guys, the boys, they got, they got it. They had this resolve. And the reason why they had this resolve is because they knew, they knew what scripture had to say. See, they would have been brought up learning scripture. They would have been brought up knowing particularly the Torah, which is like, like this much. They would have known that. It's the first five books of the Bible. They would have known that. And they would have known what Deuteronomy 11 says. It says this. Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, and his commands always. That's verse 1. Verse 13 to 15 says, So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its seasons. Both autumn and spring rains so that you may gather grain, new wine, and olive oil. This seems like, why are we talking about this? Hold the phone, just a sec. So it says, I will provide grass in the field for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied. By God saying, if you love me and if you have the character to obey me, I will take care of you. So when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel are sitting at the table and there's food that's placed before them that I'm sure it looks so tasty. But as it's sitting here, And it's not of what God wants for their lives. They can know that in scripture, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And I will take care of you. Start small. Little things hold a lot of impact. Just this. They knew. They knew. They had this resolve that they would not. That they loved God far too much to try that. It wasn't worth it. It starts small. There are so many things in our lives that seem itty bitty. They seem so itty bitty, like they don't even, like they wouldn't even amount to much, right? Like a little cookie. What's one cookie? What's one? Well, At my house, like one turns into an entire package real fast, right? Like, let's be real. We've done it. We've done it. I'm right. I'm ashamed. (laughs) But it's not just, even though it seems so little, it's not so little. Because it, But it shows up in little things, right? It shows up in that thing that you could say about that guy just so that you can get your friends to laugh, make you feel good so that he doesn't look so good, right? That's little. It seems small. It's not. It could be in like forwarding on that photo that you have no right having and you forward that photo on. That seems small to you. That's big. That's where character is. It's in trying not to, uh, even in like the look, you know, when you like give that dirty look and you know that you're given that dirty look and you mean to give that dirty look just so that you have a sense of who's in what spot in this social structure, right? Seems tiny, but it means a lot character starts small starts small but we're called to be people of character we're called to be people that that model the character of Jesus and when we have the option to do wrong we need to choose to do right it is an active choice sometimes we think that little things are easy when it comes to character not so much, because one cookie turns into two. Because bad looks, they can just shoot out real quick. Because one text message to one person can turn into a bunch of text messages. Right? Like it just, it's so, it just expands. Character starts small. It starts small. 
So let's go on and continue to see what character is. <laughs> let's go on and let's go to verse 8. We'll start at verse 8. That's where we ended. That's where we pick up. So it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned you, sorry, assigned your love, sorry, assigned, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why? Should he see you looking worse than other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief uh, official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and, and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with your, uh, with the young other young men who eat the royal food and treat yourself and treat your servants in accordance with what you see, so he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. <gasps> What's gonna happen? Ooh. And I see when I read this, I see character, a character that stands firm. So it starts small, but it stands firm. So Daniel made up his mind that he was devoted to principle, to his conscience, and he was going to stand firm on what he had decided because he knew, he knew that he needed to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and he followed those convictions. Now, what if, what if Daniel or Shadrach, or Meshach and Abednego. What if they had just had just a little bit? What if they had just had like half a cookie? What if they had gorged themselves and ate the whole thing? No matter what, we probably wouldn't even have the book of Daniel. They had to stand firm. And it wasn't just a moment. Ten days. They had to stand firm. And when Daniel stood firm, God honored that. Big time God honored that. See, there are so many things that we could do just to compromise that we don't stand that we don't stand firm on. And it gets pretty easy. Right? It gets pretty easy to go toward reputation. Then towards character. It gets really easy because sometimes it's a bit of a struggle and it just starts to wear on you like a grandmother who just keeps at you and just keeps saying, well, why don't you want my cookies? Just have another cookie. Just, right? But then there's other things in our world that says, well, why don't you come out with me? Why don't you come out? It's so much fun. Why don't you just come out? You've never been before. Why don't you just try it? Just come out. Just come out. Just come out. And you're like, fine, I'll come out. And you know that you shouldn't go out, but you do. And you get worn down a bit. But Daniel and and, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood firm. They stood firm. Now, standing firm means that they have to be creative. Notice that they didn't go, I'm just going to not eat anything forever. Right? They didn't do that. They said, bring on the veggies. I'm just going to eat broccoli for 10 days. Could you imagine their gas? Oh, my goodness. But they got to be creative. In saying no to the royal provisions, they got to say yes to trusting God. Because when we stand firm, we, stand, we, we move out of what we know and move into this place where we have to trust God. That he has to provide. If they don't eat this food and, and look as strong 
right? Like these are supposed to be strong, beefy men. They love their protein, right? And they're saying no to protein. I just give me veggies, right? Like they, what they're requiring of their bodies doesn't naturally come out of just the veggies. They need the protein, but he stands firm. He gets creative, and the reason why he can get creative and get, give options is because he knows his God. He knows how God is so faithful. See, just like they would have known Deuteronomy, they would have known the story of Joshua. Now, Joshua, if these guys, which it says in Scripture in Daniel, that they were either um, they were part of nobility or the royal family, that means that one of their grandpappies is Joshua. And Joshua is the one that took over the role as leader of their entire people group from Moses. So there was Moses, led people out of Egypt, desert, then came Joshua. All right? So Joshua, right when Moses died, had this incredible conversation with God. It's the amazing. So in Joshua chapter one, we read, this is what God says to Joshua. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm, We sang that. So be strong and courageous. Verse seven, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it, from the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Maybe we might use the word, uh, have a good reputation, perhaps. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We see Daniel living out this because as true as it was for Moses, it was true for Joshua that God would be with him no matter what. And as true as it was for Joshua, it was for Daniel that God would be with him and would never forsake him. As true as it is for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that God would never leave or forsake, it is true for you and for me that God will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. So when we stand, when we take a stand for God, it is as if we're standing and saying, God, you're going to provide Because I'm getting out of the place where other people might provide. And I need you to. You're getting in a, you're, you're, you're elevating the stakes. When we stand up for Jesus, when we stand up for him, we are elevating the stakes. But we have scripture that says, I am faithful. I will be with you wherever you go. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid because God is with you wherever you go. So we start small. And that moves big. It moves big so that we can stand firm for Jesus. That's where character is. It's in the standing firm. It's in the starting small. It's in the standing firm. The neat thing about that whole creativity bit is in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you. Pause it for a second. When we're standing firm, when we have that bold and courageous, when we have that, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be any temptation coming our way. We can bank on it. We can bank on it. It's going to come. Let's get back into this scripture. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. There it is again. He's faithful. 
He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Sometimes we think that that's just, God will never give us anything we can't handle. That is not what this scripture is saying at all. What the scripture is saying is, and God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There's a next sentence. It says, but when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can endure it. When we stand tall for Jesus, God will always provide a way to keep standing. Will it be hard? Absolutely. But God is with us. We can be courageous. We do not have to fear because he is creative. Bring on the veggies. Right? That means that we have a way to be creative in our culture. See, there, there, we could take all of this and say, just, just don't get involved. Just don't be involved. No, let's be involved in our culture. Let's be involved in our world and let's be creative. Right? Like, let's be creative on our Instagram stories. Let's, let's be creative. Let's be creative in the way that we talk about people, that we might be uber encouraging. That's creative. Let's be uber creative and smile. It's amazing. Have you ever like noticed that if you smile at a cashier, they're like, oh, aren't you having a good day? No, I'm just smiling. Right? Like it's really, what creative ways to stand firm, to bring joy into the world. We can, like, be creative in the way that we dress. We can be creative in the way that we choose our friends. We can be creative in the way that we include other people. There's so many things that we can be creative to take a stand. Because our culture needs creative people. You are creative people, and our culture needs you to stand firm. And listen to the Holy Spirit, because he is very creative. He gives very creative ideas. Listen. Okay, lastly, verse 15. At the end of the 10 days, what happens? At the end of the 10 days, they look healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine and they, that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time that set by the king to, uh, to bring them in, the chief official presented them to King Nebes. The king called them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them ten times better than any of the other magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. Ten times better! And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Ten times better! It is incredible what character can do when we stand with Jesus. It's amazing. Ten times better. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah would never have had such an influence if they had eaten but a teeny tiny bit. They would have never had that influence. Their character influence or it... It styles their influence. Character. Change the way that they influence the people around them. When we stand firm, oh, when we start small, because it doesn't make sense sometimes, the small things, right? Like in our world, people think, well, what's the big deal? It's just fill in the blank, right? How often do we sit at the proverbial table, the metaphorical table of life with our friends, with our family, 
And they say, well, what's the big deal? Why you even go to church anyways? What's the big deal? I believe in God. Sure, why do you got to go to church? Seems little. It's just an hour and a half. Two hours, I just heard. (laughs) You go to a long church. Um, (laughs) It seems like it's little. But then when we take a stand, when we keep going to church every week, and every week, and every week, and we keep serving, and keep serving, and keep serving, and we faithfully serve, and we show that God, that we are open to what God has to do, that we are listening to him, that we are reading our Bibles regularly, and our families see that. Our families see that. Our families see that. And it styles the influence that we have in our families' lives. Styles the influence that you have in your friends' lives at school every time they ask you, so what did you do on the weekend? Opportunity. I went to church. It was awesome. If that's your story every single weekend or every single Monday, I went to church and it was awesome. That's going to get through. Right? Like it's these little things, but when we keep on doing it, when we keep standing firm, it styles the influence that we have in our world. What kind of influence do you want? When I think about the kind of influence that I want to make, like I think about these little, what, like why does it really matter? And so I just want to remind you of one other thing in another part of the Bible. In the book of Luke, in chapter 16, Jesus is telling a parable. Now, a parable is a story that has a point. And so he's telling this parable, and it's about money. It's about a man who's using money in a mm, rascally way, uh, in a not-so-good way. And he's sort of being called out and being called to integrity, which is another word that we could connect with the concept of um, character. And so in Luke 16, verse 10... It says, and this is about money, but I think it applies here. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the big things. And if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with great responsibility. If we stand firm in the small things, our character will style the kind of influence that points, points people to Jesus. And that's the difference between reputation. Reputation is an influence that points people back to me. Right? It was joy, right? Joy and I sat here. Like, what a terrible influence this was. Hey, Joy, will you always remember me Will you tell people that it's Kim Quigley who you sat with and ate cookies with? That's reputation. That's reputation. It's an influence that turns all the attention back to me. That's reputation. What character does is it focuses all the attention to Jesus. That's character. That's the difference between reputation and character. For Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, was it really about their name? It was about the name of the Most High God, Yahweh. It was about pointing to him. It wasn't about the, the little bit of food. But it was about the God who always sustains. It's about always pointing back to Jesus. That's character. That was their influence. And they had massive, massive influence. Here we are, thousands of years later, thousands of years later, and we're talking about them. And they have been influenced, they have influenced us to look to Jesus, to walk like him, to have character like him. 
what kind of influence do you want to make? My guess is that if you're in this room, you have a bit, like, there's something within you that you actually want to make a difference in this world. Would you agree that you have this thing within you that you actually want to make a difference in this world? Yeah? Yeah, I thought so. That's probably why you're here. That's probably why your youth pastors, youth leaders uh, invited you to come. So you have this thing within you that you want to make a difference in the world. Hmm. I wonder if we could make like a 10 times greater difference in the world if we lived with character that focused people's attention on Jesus instead of focusing our attention on us. That's the kind of influence that I want to have. Right? We sang that song. I don't even know the words, but we sang the song. We're like, if I, if, it, I, if I don't get, what is it? If I don't, if I never get the credit, what's the next part? If I never get the praise, you'd still be worth it. He is so worth it because he's so good, right? He's so good. I love this. So this is, this is my challenge to, to, to me and to you. This is our challenge this evening that I think we need to heed. What kind of influence are we going to make? Are we going to make an influence that is uh, influenced, that is styled by character that points to Jesus? Or are we going to make an influence that just loops it back to us? Could I ask the band to come back up here? And can I ask you to stand with me? Because here we've been talking about standing firm, and I feel like we need to stand. I also don't want you to fall asleep. So I've got a a few thoughts for us to consider here this evening. The first is I have been making a bit of an assumption this evening. I've been making an assumption that for most of us in the room, we already have a relationship with Jesus. And I don't want to um, finish this evening with that assumption and maybe pass somebody up who's listening to me talk about Jesus and listen about listening to me and talk about influence and has maybe been on a bit big journey with Jesus and has come to a place tonight that says, I want to I want to have you in my life, Jesus. I want you to be my life leader. And so, for those of you who, and I'm guessing most of you know Jesus, have a relationship with Jesus. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you want a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to make a bit of a stand. Would you, would you put up your hand that there might, let me, like, and it's not like a big deal, really. I just want to pray with you. Okay. So the assumption is 100%. Okay. So now let's real talk. Okay. So you know Jesus. You are here. You love Jesus. So then what I want to ask is, are there little things on your table? Are there little things? Maybe they're medium-sized things. Maybe they're big things on your table that shouldn't be on your table. And I think that what we can do this evening is we could do some reflecting and actually ask myself and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do I have anything on my table that I need to get off the table? So perhaps even this moment, could we ask the Holy Spirit that question? For some of you, that might mean closing your eyes so your eyes aren't distracted and having a a posture that might be open like this. That doesn't mean that you have to. Some people like to do that. But I'd like for you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there something in my life 
that I have been thinking it's little and I keep doing those little things keep saying yes to the little things or perhaps I'm saying yes to medium sized things or perhaps there's something that's pretty big that I'm saying yes to so if there's a little thing, a medium thing, a big thing in your life that you need Jesus to deal with now I would suggest you put out your hands and say, here, God, here's my little thing. Here's my medium-sized thing. Here's my big thing. Sorry I didn't say no the first time. But Jesus, thanks for taking it away. Thanks for your forgiveness. Thanks for helping me say no next time. Jesus, I pray that for those things that are held in these hands, these things that are within each person's heart that is represented, Jesus, would you do that healing, that cleaning, that removing that needs to be done? Jesus, you're so good. And I thank you that you never um, shame us about these things. You might convict us, but you don't shame us. Because shame pushes us away from you, but conviction draws us to you. And so, thank you, Jesus, for making us aware of the things that we have said yes to, that we should have said no to. And we give that to you. Heal, forgive, and remove any sense of guilt or shame. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we've dealt with the little things, with the medium-sized things, the big things. Now, this whole standing firm business... We cannot do that on our own. Mm-mm. Can't do that on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us to do that. And so, if you want to make an influence, and if I want to make an influence, perhaps we have to ask the Holy Spirit to give us a little bit more oomph, a little bit more power, a little bit more anointing to make a stand. Do you think that that would be a good idea? Because I think that that would be a good idea. And I would love your help that you would pray for you and you would also pray for me and you would also pray for them and pray for them, that we would start to pray for each other, for power, for courage, for strength, for an empowering anointing so that we can stand firm. Yeah? Okay, so you're leaders in this room, which means you've sometimes spoken your life out loud. So I'm going to ask you to pray out loud right now. And since we're talking about standing firm, I'm going to ask you to take this position and take it to this position. And we're going to pray. We're going to ask Jesus for his Holy Spirit to empower and strengthen us so that we can stand firm when we need to. Yeah? All right. That might just mean you say,
Jesus, I pray in your name against any fear, any fear of standing firm for you, any fear of taking a stand um, for the character of your name, Holy Spirit, in this place, any fear that might be resting or hovering or heavy on shoulders in the name of Jesus, I pray that that would be lifted right now in your name, that there would be no fear because there is no fear in you, Jesus. There is no fear in you. There is love. There is power. There is self-control in you. There is not fear. And so in the name of Jesus, I pray that if there is any sense of fear, any sense of worry or stress or anxiety about standing firm for you, if there's any sense of worry about what people might think, Jesus, in the name of your holy, holy spirit, I pray that you would pour out your spirit of of anointing, of courage, of boldness. Jesus, I thank you that you poured out your spirit on us so that we would be bold. We would be bold witnesses for you. And so my friends here in the room, I pray, uh, my ask you now is to pray boldly into your specific situations, places that you're going to have to stand firm. We're going to pray just a little bit longer and pray specifically, boldness specifically for your situations, what you're facing at school, specifically, Holy Spirit, empower me specifically. Ready? Let's give it a go. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. I pray that we would be marked, marked as people with more power, with more boldness, with 10 times more courage. Oh, Jesus, we pray for more of your spirit, more of your boldness so that we can stand firm, not stand firm for our own recognition. No, but that we would stand firm so that we can be an influence that brings people's attention to you. That it would be all about you, Jesus. That in everything we do, it would be all about you. That is our, that is our heart. That is our goal. That it is all about you. It is not about us. And so, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who, inst- who strengthens us and empowers us. Who helps us to say no when it's so easy to say yes. Thank you, Jesus, for what you do, for your empowerment and strength. Lord, I pray that your your anointing would continue to fall, that it would not just be land just this evening, but that it would go, that it would go with each one, and that they would know, that they would know that, Holy Spirit, you don't sit in this chapel. You reside with each one, that that you live within them, giving them power and courage and strength for each new day. Thank you, Jesus, so much. Thank you, Jesus.